Welcome to the Visegrad Inside podcast from Central Europe on Central Europe. This is September 22nd, 2021. My name is Wojciech Przybylski and I'm editor-in-chief of Visegrad Insight. Hello and welcome. Um, the EU is going to bolster support for democracy in Russia, while a conference in Budapest will bring notable conservatives from around the world together. This is the first line of our weekly Outlook, released every Monday, and I'll narrate you through the key points of the Outlook as well as the events uh, that uh, already unfolded uh, after its release. Uh, but let me first announce two texts, and do recommend I do recommend these two texts. Um, uh, great analysis and critical pieces by Sever Voinescu, a Romanian uh, politician, former diplomat, currently editor-in-chief of Dilemma Veche, conservative weekly in Romania, explaining the Romanian foreign policy um, in, with quite a reassuring message of regardless of the political turmoil that's, and even a constitutional crisis the country might be undergoing currently, the, the, the Romanian foreign policy for at least next two years is going to uh, remain stable uh, predominantly, but not only because of the stable policies coming from the presidential palace. That, uh, that happens um, against the backdrop of uh, the diplomatic spats with uh, Hungarian representatives. The recent one was in, in uh, at, the, at the meeting in Ukraine at the Crimea platform when um, Hungarian president uh, made uh, very disturbing comments uh, comparing the occupation of Crimea with the Uh, with the uh, with, with Transylvania belonging to Romania for over a hundred years, uh, but all these uh, backdrops of caveats uh, did not alter Romanian foreign policy and also did not cause Romania to um, to enter uh, typical polarization tactics. Uh, Romania keeps it quiet. Sever Voinescu writes, Romania the dutiful. Uh, And then Beata Balogova, a text we're going to release uh, later this week, editor-in-chief of SME Daily, the biggest daily in Slovakia, also our partner, is explaining how the national sentiments and national uh, or nationalist strategies of political parties that pursue nationalist agenda within uh, each of the four countries have managed to hijack the original Visegrad agenda and how much it is missing today in the world of turmoil that uh, the Visegrad it does not uh, hold ground in its original message and its founding message, uh, but is being used and uh, abused by the nationalist po politicians Um, in the countries of, of the four. Um, of the, four. the block, Visegrad block, uh, politically may be where it is and where, where we uh, constantly also uh, highlight and flag the problems. But the, the good sign is the, the very recent opinion poll result uh, done every five years, uh, analyzing the opinion polls in the Visegrad countries vis-a-vis uh, -vis their understanding of Visegrad policies, Uh, the, the sympathies or uh, the affinity towards each other and their position also on EU policy. And it is heartwarming to see that public opinion, the civil society in, in fact as well, is not following the agenda. And by, uh, by big numbers, uh, often reaching 70% uh, in, in particular countries of the Visegrad, we see also the, the trend that is 
reassuring both the regional identity and cooperation, the, the friendliness towards each other by uh, the neighboring nations, the, uh, the high hopes that the, the populace, general populace, uh, has for the Visegrad group cooperation to deliver, which is matching with uh, uh, not faltering and even growing in the Czech Republic case, uh, support for the EU and expectations that EU would deliver. So these are two great analyses that uh, we feature this week uh, on our site. So do subscribe, do uh, log in if you're already subscribed and, and read Beata Balogova and Sever Voinescu pieces. Um, in a, in the bigger picture of uh, of the European affairs, there is a fallout from the uh, from the US, UK, and Australia alliance that pushed out French from uh, from negotiations with Australia. French government, um, of course, feels betrayed, and there is a. Um, there is a fallout from the diplomatic clash within the Western Alliance. Now France is restarting and uh, and, dub- and likely doubling on the uh, on the effort to have a discussion on policy um, on the on the European autonomy. Now this, for uh, for Central Europe that means uh, quite a lot as Central Europe relies greatly on the on the American uh, security guarantees. The only uh, the only power within NATO that is uh, considered to deliver hard security to the countries of Central Europe is is continuously US. But the discussion about the future of European security and their commitment is already in place. We we see, uh, at least from the countries like Romania, but also from Poland, that um, while being uh, trustworthy allies of the US, these countries are also investing in their own uh, security and maybe uh, interested in in building up a common European front. But that will take years, if not decades. For now, uh, this is just the beginning of a, of a uh, move with, of course, uh, words of solidarity that we have also seen from the Polish presidents towards France, which is... Uh, uh, the, the uh, unlikely development or a new development to be seen, uh, where where Polish president was portrayed has been portraying himself uh, usually as the most pro pro American, even in the recent spat over the media law. But now he extended his um, words of understanding towards uh, President Macron um, in in the relationship that again is not the the easiest between the two countries and hasn't been. Uh, has been very warm over the past years. This might be a new opening um, between them in the in the coming months or uh, or years. Uh, at the same time, um, a bit in the background, but very important for the region, where uh, the words of uh, Ursula von der Leyen uh, and the State of the Union, in which Ursula von der Leyen highlighted the. Uh, the, the need to do something about the media law. Well, while we argue that there are enough instruments uh, for the Commission to, uh, to to manage and to address the media situation, the Commission seems to be determined to to push forward for new regulation that would uh, that would prevent uh, uh, essentially hostile media takeover by state and non-state actors um, uh, and. Uh, and, and prevent uh, foreign malign influence in in Europe, but specifically these uh, these changes and these amendments might be triggered by what's going on in Central Europe. 
on the Polish on the Polish Belarusian border on the EU external border, uh, we uh, we we are noting four dead bodies found of people uh, presumably attempting to cross illegally the border uh, through the swamps, through the forest, and uh, most likely uh, dying of hypothermia. The crisis, the humanitarian crisis, uh, is uh, is ensued. There is. There is a blockade and there is a pushback of people who illegally uh, attempt to cross the border uh, from from the Polish side. So, so people who attempt this are put back on the border. And uh, on the other side, Belarusian authorities um, are, are using all means to, to threaten um, the migrants that they've earlier helped to smuggle through uh, and they do not allow them back uh, to Belarus. This is in essence a, a a chapter of a hybrid war uh, of a low intensity but very uh, very dangerous for uh, for the integrity of of borders of the territorial um, protection of, of 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 the country and it is seen now as a big problem also from the EU where there are several countries calling for Frontex engagement on the border Frontex agency is situated the agency has offices. Um, its main office in Poland, but so far Poland has uh, has declared not to use uh, the help from Frontex. That is to be watched as, the, as it is clearly a European problem and the Frontex, uh, Frontex agency would be in place uh, to try to resolve it. As we record this podcast, we don't know yet what is the outcome of the of the constitutional uh, tribunal um, sitting today to, to explain and to decide about the, the the relationship between Polish law and the European law, the case, the motion was uh, put forward by uh, uh, by Prime Minister Morawiecki to, um, in one way, to demonstrate that he's determined to, to protect Polish sovereignty against the accusations from his own camp that he has been soft on the European Union in the in the negotiations, especially in the negotiations of the rule of law mechanism. And he had to submit to the Constitutional Tribunal, which generally is known not to be an independent court. The European uh, Court of Human Rights ruling clearly underlined that this is not to be considered as an independent court because of the political influence and uh, also the recent journalistic leaks uh, indicate that clearly that the president of the Constitutional Court is has been lobbying, uh, has been taking part in political uh, um, appointments, uh, deciding about political appointments within the government. So this is um, a highly politicized institution today without the qualities the independent court and independent court would require to have to, to be respected. Nevertheless, this, this might announce um, uh, first step in uh, Poland's government uh, uh, stepping back or uh, backtracking some of the uh, very negative developments in the Polish law that led to, uh, for the time being, withholding the EU funds. But Poland is not the only one uh, where, uh, where EU funds have been withheld for the time being, the, have not been re- released by the Commission. The Commission also is still um, uh, waiting and, and, and not releasing uh, the funds 
of the of the new annual multi-annual budget to Hungary. And recently, we also learned that uh, to to Czech Republic on also on similar um, presumptions of of not complying of these countries not complying also not not uh, preparing uh, enough uh, demonstrating enough com- commitment to the rule of law, transparency, and good governance, which would guarantee that taxpayers' money is uh, spent. Uh, adequately and transparently w- without uh, any misuse. So these uh, these developments uh, in Central Europe keep uh, keep us keep everyone also be, be busy uh, and interested. While uh, at the same time Hungary is doubling back on the, on the, another ideological uh, political ideology called Allies meeting of the of the right and far right in in Hungary. Uh, around the same time when the opposition has just uh, tried to conclude the first primaries, the primaries that would elect the leader of the next opposition bloc, uh, and if successfully uh, consolidated, this bloc has good chances to win over the next elections uh, in spring next year. But uh, the digital voting in the primaries for the, in the first round of the primaries has uh, not been successful, not been conclusive, it had to be stopped because the malfunction of the system most likely uh, attributed to uh, overload of entries, that overload of attempts to, to submit the vote, which the opposition claims has been a cyber attack, has been the cyber security issue, malign influence uh, by unspecified actors. But of course, we we know that the government uh, is, is most happy to see that the opposition did not succeed so far. Otherwise, the government was unsuccessful in its attempt to uh, to take over the narrative and the opposition has been having this important initiative um, uh, in, in Hungary going without any major uh, communicative uh, interference from uh, Viktor Orban. Now Viktor Orban was bragging about incompetence and uh, the opposition, but this needs to be still examined. What were the sources and what were the reasons for the uh, for the voting not to uh, be concluded? It, the vote uh, has been postponed and will continue uh, and uh, the decisions will be made um, likely in October. Um, in uh, in Bulgaria, we have had a decision by the the, the president, who is also uh, looking into the uh, the elections. The president's office uh, will be uh, vacated in November, and there will be a new there will be a new uh, elections, presidential elections. But now we know also that there will be another early elections, a second early elections this year after inconclusive process for um, uh, setting up a, a government based on the last elections from uh, from early summer. This uh, both elections will take place mid October, uh, mid November, and we will uh, we will see uh, then what is if the political situation in Bulgaria is uh, any any more clear than uh, than now. Thank you, Wojtek, for the updates and a late hello to all listeners. I am Malik Banat and I'm just here to remind everyone that the New Europe 100 forum recordings are now available online on our website and promoted as well throughout our social media. New Europe 100 is a flagship project by the Respublica Foundation that gathers opinion leaders in tech innovation, business policy, media and civil society from all over the CEE. 
And last week we hosted the third version of the forum, which featured the leaders of digital age from Central Europe. And one of the topics discussions moderated by our very own Wojtek Pshibilski was our democracy smarter after the pandemic. Let's listen in on the thoughtful and provoking discussion with Anne-Catherine Riddle, the chairwoman at the Association for Liberal Network Policy based in Germany, and Tomasz Kasprowicz, a managing partner at Gemini SC, a Polish IT solutions company. Uh, I was in panic very recently learning about a vulnerability in my devices uh, discovered by a civil society group. Uh, showing that uh, Apple devices were exposed to Pegasus. So I was immediately rushing. It was a big alert, you know. And I'm just thinking how much of um, of this last year experience has brought our attention to, you know, to to things working better in digital world or, you know, how how good are we, in fact, as, as democracies uh, with the society, economical part as well of it, um, in, in the digital realm, are, are we smarter? Are we better? And Catherine? I think from a German perspective, we haven't definitely learned enough. Um, what we recognized here in Germany during the pandemic that um, digitalization is a bit important and that we are lacking a lot uh, regarding digitalization of our schools, of our health ministries, and also regarding cybersecurity, but it's not really a topic, especially um, cybersecurity and, and being vulnerable. Um, you know, we had a very severe cyber incident at the um, uh, university's hospital in uh, the city of Dusseldorf, uh, where where, where, um, where they had a cyber attack, and one person really died of the cyber attack because the machines weren't working anymore, and it wasn't really a big topic here in Germany. So just a few people talked about it, and um, we also had a huge cyber attack in uh, a small city called Bitterfeld Anhalt in the eastern part of Germany, um, where they brought like a not like a national but a regional burning bushes or something like that so it's such a big, big incident and uh, they invited the german army to help them because they weren't able to pay out all the social welfare stuff and um the the, the whole administration really broke down and yeah i have the feeling that people hoping for the pandemic to um, go away not only because of our health but also because they can go back to normal and normal means like not using digital tools too much going back to schools which is important itself but also because there is no digitalization in schools there are no working platforms no um, video platforms which can be used in schools um, due to data protection and so on so um, I think um, well, we're talking now a bit more about the importance of digitalization, but even, you know, we have elections here in Germany. Digitalization is not really a topic in all the discussions our candidates for the chancellery have. At the same time, I mean, it seems that at least some could manage and actually scale up during the pandemic exactly because uh, they would use the, the new digital culture that. Uh, I mean, like it or not, uh, we have all embraced uh, because we have to. So um, uh, with this, I will be turning to Tomasz for, for now, for his account of smarter in the sense of more digital, more uh, advanced uh, technology in the use of the governing of the country, but also in, you know, 
governing our economies? Uh, well, there are many changes going on. Uh, of course, the biggest one is about the mode we work in, of course, and 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 the the, the uh, remote work, which wasn't that popular outside of major corporations. Um, and uh, this was due to numerous reasons, uh, um, chiefly among them in the smaller companies was the lack of trust, um, especially in the eastern part of the European Union. Uh, well, basically, uh, the pandemics forced everybody home, and the only way you could work in many, many cases was to work from home. And that basically forcefully changed opinions of many, many entrepreneurs in terms of uh, what's admissible and what's working and what's not working. Because, of course, uh, remote work has a lot of perks, so it has a lot of dangers as well. Uh, But in, in order to make sure whether it's good for you or not, you have to try it first. And for so many companies, it was the first try. And for many of them, it was at least a degree a successful try, meaning uh, this hybrid type and mode of work will be implemented further. If you'd like to listen in on more of the discussion, do check our website and see you all next week.